0: Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio.
1: Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
2: Welcome to Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. A beloved teacher of the course who has helped thousands learn how to express their beliefs from moment to moment in their everyday lives. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley.
3: Hello, everybody. So good to be with you again this week and very. Very excited to tell you our guest Ken Wapnick is here this week with us, and I have so many questions for him. <laughs> and I hope you have some too. So I'm going to invite you to call in. I'm going to give you that now. It's 888 558. 6489 and I invite you to write that number down because next week my guest is David Hoffmeister and he's a great person to ask a question of as well and we had such a good time with Gary Renard last week so that asking questions is really helpful. It just helps illuminate these teachings of A Course in Miracles and As you know, what this class, or this, (laughs) to me everything is a class, right? We're always learning. This program is about, is about really walking the talk and truly living a course in miracles. So for me, one of the biggest ah ahas in my whole life was I realized that I had been studying spiritual teachings, science of mind, unity teachings, miracles, all kinds of spiritual teachings for years and years and years, in fact, decades, when I finally woke up to the realization that I wasn't 100% committed to walking my talk. And the reason why the awakening was eluding me was because I was still holding on to resentments and judgments and complaints, and I didn't even hold in my mind that it was A, important, or really possible to completely let go of all thoughts of separation. And through my connection with A Course in Miracles and that voice that is there, captured in those pages that comes alive in your mind when you start to work with it, I completely got, oh, if I commit 100% to walking the talk, I will be led, I will be guided, I will be shown to every single place in my life where I'm not in alignment, I can clear that out, I can give the Holy Spirit the heavy lifting and I can be free and that was life changing for me. Now I still spent years and I still work with it but I spent years really uh, really struggling to release the opinions and the judgments, the thoughts of separation, but ultimately, I, I really got to a place of 100% commitment, and that's where I live today, even though stuff comes up every day. So, what we're going to talk about today with Ken is, you know, how do we do it? How do we live it? Because he's been living it a long, long time. So, Ken, you know, I could give an introduction to you, but... I think I'd rather just ask you, how did you come to A Course in Miracles? How did you find it?
1: That's uh, a long story, actually. Uh, can you hear me okay, Jennifer? Uh, well,
3: just I'll barely. Just go- uh, how you came to A Course in Miracles, if you would.
1: Okay. Right. Uh I was actually introduced to, to Helen and Bill who who the two people responsible for the for the course. Helen was the one who took it.
3: So Ken is gonna call us back. We're having trouble I'm having trouble hearing him, so he's gonna call us back in a moment. And I'll bring him in and we'll start to hear how he really began to work with these teachings. So valuable to understand the practical application of how people really live it. Ken, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me all right? So, Ken, can you tell us how you came to find A Course of Miracles? Because uh, there, believe it or not, there are still a lot of people who aren't really familiar with your story, and I think it's such a, a beautiful way to introduce ourselves to the Course.
1: Okay. Uh, at the time that I, I saw, saw the Course for the first time, I was going to become a monk, and that had been what, what uh, I was my plan was. And a good friend of mine, who was a priest, was a, um, uh, a close friend of Helen and Bill's, so the two people who, had, who, who were responsible for the course, Helen having taken it down. Uh, and and uh, he arranged for me to spend an evening with them. Uh, this was in, uh, in the late fall of 1972. <coughs> and actually, in the course of the evening, most of the time was spent in my talking about, about how I came uh, from being a Jewish atheist psychologist to, to want to become a monk. Uh, but, at some point, uh, someone I think it was Bill pointed to the corner of his living room where there was a stack of, uh, of seven thesis binders filled with the manuscript of the course uh, and they they had offered it to me to look at but, uh, but at that time i, I didn 't want to kind of take anything like, like that with me, uh, but all the time I was in Israel, which is where I was going to uh, be, become a monk, uh, and in the monastery, I kept thinking of this book, I kept dreaming of the book, I wrote Helen and bill a couple of letters. And when I came back to the States in the spring of 1973, that's when I saw the course for the first time. And uh, what impressed me, among many other things, was that it was the first thing that I had ever read that was uh, an integration of psychology and spirituality. Uh, mm-hmm. Since I was a psychologist, uh, mm-hmm. I was obviously interested in spirituality, but, but I didn't know how to, how to bring them together. And when I started reading the course, I realized this is what... Uh, this is what it's all about. I recognized in Helen and, and build that this was like my new family. And so I changed my plans around. I stayed in New York City, and I guess the rest is history. So that's how it started.
3: So you know what I'm hearing in that is you, you felt the divine guidance.
1: Uh, clearly, I felt that, that I was kind of following along a path that was not mm-hmm. my own. Uh, one thing seemed to just lead to another to another to another, and it all seemed very very right and, and i didn 't really question what was happening; I just kind of kind of followed along uh, and uh, it just it, it all just felt felt like like a, a hand in a glove it just just fit perfectly
3: yes now th- when you first came to the to, to the manuscript was it in the Ur er text that we've heard about,
1: no, no, it was uh, this was a version that Helen and Bill had edited, taking out all the personal material that they'd been instructed by Jesus to take out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, this was the version that uh, that actually they had, had prepared for for Hugh and Casey, Edgar Casey's son, since he he was interested in the course at least what was happening. Uh, so so he always referred to it as, as the U version. Uh, that was that was what I had read, and that's what Helen and I later on edited and, and, and got it, got it set for publication.
3: Okay, Cause, and so did you? Would you say you started the first, or not? You started, but you were in that original study group.
1: <laughs> well, we never thought of ourselves as a study group or even a group. We were just three people. We all happened to be PhDs in clinical psychology. We were all obviously very taken by the course. Uh, and I think we all felt very comfortable with each other, so it was just a natural thing to do. We never, we never really studied it together. Uh, we did the workbook together for, for a year, uh, but, but we just kind of, uh, it was our life, so that's what we did. We never thought, thought about it. We just kind of did it.
3: And did you start applying what you were learning from the course in your practice then?
1: Uh, yes, uh, I I stopped my practice, of course, when I was become a monk. But I I picked it up again when I was in New York, and and clearly it was a it, it was a, a tailor made for psychotherapy. Uh, it's a way again, again of of helping people undo all their all their blocks, all their all their uh, thoughts of anger, guilt, depression, and yet to put it within a, a much larger spiritual context. So yeah, it was it was perfect for that.
3: And so after all these years, do you feel challenged to walk the talk on a regular basis or at all?
1: Uh, Well, it it, it is even a sense of being being challenged, uh, Jennifer. The question is that that's just what what is the most natural thing to do. There's no way I think someone could be sincere about the course uh, without practicing and living Mm -hmm. it. I mean, just couldn't do it. that it, it kind of calls on you to just kind of practice its principles every day. I mean, that's what the workbook, uh, the one your training program is about. But it's like it would be impossible again to to be devoted to it as a, as a spiritual path and, and not live it, uh, because it, then you're not doing it. I mean, it, it just happens automatically. I think
3: it does, and yet some people really. Will study it like I said for for a long time. They'll study it and be devoted to reading it, without actually going the ex- extra step of thinking I need to really apply this.
1: Uh, I think that that's true, and uh, that's really unfortunate. <laughs> you know <laughs> that that happens. Uh, and I uh, actually I just wrote, wrote a book on that uh, about, about dissociating a Course in Miracles, but people escaping from from their resistance to love, and, that, and how people tend to do that, that they, that they read it and they study it, but somehow there's a block, mm-hmm. there's a way of dissociating what it teaches uh, with, with how we're supposed to live it, mm-hmm. and I think that that's just fear, I, I think the Course engenders a tremendous amount of fear in people, because it, it's the end of the ego, and right. it's the end of, of the self that we've identified with. And I think that that's what leads to the, to the holding on to judgments and resentments. And and it also failure to really practice what the Course is saying.
3: Yes. And I was sharing with Gary Renard last week that when I entered the process of applying to ministerial school, because I'm a Science of Mind-trained minister here in Los Angeles at the Agape community with Michael Beckwith, and when I was filling out all the paperwork, I had a very clear experience in meditation. I was doing some contemplative meditation, preparing to write the essays, and I got such a clear thought in my mind, if I become this pure, this clear in my mind, will I actually disappear? Will my personality disappear? Will I just go up in a puff of smoke and disappear in a blinding light or something like that? And... I, I really heard uh, a voice, if you will, in my mind say, "And what if? What if that happens? Mm-hmm. What will you? Do you, do you choose that or not?" Mm-hmm. And I, my answer was, I really thought about it for a moment, and I thought, if I lose my identity completely through this spiritual study, I trust God, and I know that that will be my my answer, in prayer, my heart's desire and that was a huge life-changing moment for me.
1: Uh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, you know, actually, one of the remarkable things about the course is that even though it's so so clearly authoritative in terms of what it, what it teaches, you never feel that, that is harsh or cruel. And then that, and that it emphasizes that this is a process. In fact, there's a line that says, do not be afraid, you'll be abruptly lifted up and hurled into reality. That we don't go from the nightmare to awakening and we don't go from a, a, a keen sense of personal self to a non-self. It is what the Course calls the happy dreams of forgiveness. That, that's a very gentle process. And so before we transcend the ego entirely, what happens is that our, our personal self becomes transformed. So that instead of being angry, guilty, depressed, anxious all the time, we become more and more peaceful, joyful, forgiving, loving, and kinder. And it's, it, those are the happy dreams. And as we, we continue on that path, then at some point the whole self just dissolves into nothingness. But that doesn't happen until, until the very end. So the emphasis on the Course, is, which is why forgiveness is essential teaching, is really I wanted to be kind to everyone and everything and to be gentle in one's life. And those are the gentle dreams that that help us awaken, and that's what makes the course I think so so unique as a as a spiritual path, and and it's also what makes it such a so so effective when you apply its principles to psychotherapy, which is also a process.
3: Yes. Now I remember I'm flashing on a memory of one time I was visiting a course in miracles study group, and someone in the group said. But it's so hard because the dream seems so real and I could feel the level of pain they were experiencing. What, what would you say to that person?
1: Well, it's the same idea. You know, well, uh, you know, right at the beginning, when I first started teaching the course in the 70s, I began talking about the two levels the course is written on, level one and level two. And level one is a metaphysical level, and that's the non-dualism that says there's only God and everything else is unreal. There's only our, our being awakened. You know, the course says you're at home in God dreaming of reality, dreaming of exile. And then everything here is a dream. Well, that's all well and good, but what do we do with our bodies, since we are so clearly identified with our bodies? And so uh, that's why it's important to, to understand there's a second level in the course, and that's the point I was referring to a minute ago. That's, that's the level that doesn't ask us to say this is a dream. and doesn't say look in the bathroom mirror every morning and say, I don't see anything, because that's, uh, that's denial. I mean, that's not a spiritual state. What it does say is while you are living here in the dream, still identified with the body, you could be kinder. There is no one in the world who can't practice kindness. This. I mean, saying this is all a dream and I'm not really here and you're not really here, that's, it ends up as metaphysical gobbledygook. Even though it's true, and that's, a, that's a, the foundation of the course is teaching, it is not very practical because we all clearly identify with the body. All, I always tell students, if you think you're a person with a name who's reading a blue book that tells you how to forgive, then you're so far away from awakening that you shouldn't even have the arrogance of thinking that you're there because you're not a person. <laughs> there is no boo book because it's all a dream. Well, that's not helpful. It, it, uh, yes, hello.
3: Well, we're, we're, it's time for us to take a break. We're going to be back in just okay. a moment with Ken Wapnick.
1: Many people, like
2: myself, desire more out of life. I want more out of my work, my daily
1: interactions, and my relationships, including my connection with the divine. So when I found Unity House's new book by the Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard called Good Questions, a lot of things started making sense. Dear Tom, how can I believe in the integrity of God if I can't believe in my own integrity? From K.A. in Iowa. Dear K.A., God's goodness is independent of your highs and lows, but lighten up on yourself, my friend. Everybody has gloomy spells in their moral and spiritual life. Everyone makes mistakes. Self-doubt is endemic to the species Homo sapiens. People tend to doubt themselves and to be their own worst critics. All people fall short of their goals. In fact, that's one of the classic definitions of sin. But making mistakes, even really, really bad ones, does not define who you are. You are Imago Dei. The spiritual image and likeness of God, the divine spirit within, is your true identity, now and forever. Dr. Tom's an expert in metaphysical Christianity who is sometimes passionate, sometimes funny, but always ready to tackle the agonizing questions about life and our spiritual path. His book, Good Questions, Answering Letters from the Edge of Doubt, is a must-read for those of us who listen to his show here on Unity FM or read his column
2: in Unity Magazine. Get your copy today online at unity.org
1: and click on the shop link.
2: Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love. Be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Time on Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley.
3: So we're back here with Ken Wapnick, and we're talking about Walking the Talk and truly living a course in miracles. And Ken, you're going to pick up right where you left off, talking
1: yeah, about uh, uh- Lesson 193 in the workbook ends uh, by saying, oh, God will take the final step himself. Do not deny him the little steps he asked you to take to him. And it's those little steps that are our daily experiences of being kind. And, and and that's something we could all practice. And you could practice that every single moment of every day, just being kind. Uh, just thinking of other people instead of yourself. Uh, because if you can't do this, then you'll never awaken from the dream. And yes, the ultimate goal, of course, is to awaken. But but before then, you have to continually choose these happy or gentle dreams of forgiveness. And I think that's the sum and substance of A Course in Miracles so that you don't have to deal with, the, this is all a dream and I'm not here and this is an illusion, because that, that 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 is meaningless, again, as long as you kind of feed your stomach and you inhale oxygen every few seconds and you know do all the things we do, so that you don't deny you're a body, and you don't deny that you have feelings, but you just you just shift your perspective so that you see everyone is the same, and as the Course says, you see everyone's interests the same as yours, and that we could practice. And that's what it means really, uh, to walk the talk and, and, and live A Course in Miracles. It's just learn it to be kind. You know, very simple.
3: One of my favorite quotes from the Dalai Lama is, my religion is kindness.
1: Uh, yes, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And the Course couldn't agree more.
3: <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, and I
1: think that's what, you know, when you look at the history of any religion or spirituality, including A Course in Miracles, that's what's lacking. And, it's, uh, and, and and the opposite of kindness is judgment, because judgment is always an attack. And it's seeing people as separate from you. And while we're all separate as bodies and personalities, we're not separate as minds, because we all have the same mind, ego, Holy Spirit, and decision-making part of the mind that chooses. So we're all the same. And that's, that's what the Course calls the perception of the Holy Spirit or Christ's vision. And that's something we could practice. And that's within the, the scope of everybody. We could all do that.
3: Exactly. We never even have to pick up the book.
1: You never have to pick up the book. You know, because typically people pick up the book and hit, hit other people over the head with it. You know. And, uh, <laughs> if, you know of course, you're fundamentalists, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, especially if you have a, a hard copy, a hardcover <laughs> copy. You know, so, so.
3: That's it. I think sometimes some people would rather beat you over the head with it than actually study it themselves. You you brought the word judgment up. So that's my key word because Mm -hmm. that was the thing that I realized. I was still holding on to my judgments. I still felt that they had value for me. And so that was creating the fear, the upset. And I tell people all the time, just read the fear and conflict section in Chapter 2 and the Mm -hmm. um, cause and effect section over and over and over again. To, to understand I quote, I quote that those all the time actually, the when I teach. Mm-hmm. Hmm?
1: I quote those two sections all the time when I teach, actually.
3: Yeah, because it's, it's really that simple. People think that they're afraid and they're worried and they're concerned about their life and having what they want, manifesting what they want, all of that. They, they're so afraid and they really think that the cause of their fear is outside of them. And if they would just be willing to see that every time they choose a judgment and think that judgment is worth thinking and projecting out into the world, they're experiencing separation they're pre- creating a sense of separation and the only thing there is in this whole illusion to fear is that we might be separate mm-hmm. so every time they choose a judgment to me they're going to backwash and they're going to feel afraid that's
1: true. that's true if they
3: look outside themselves for the source of fear they'll never find it right. so just being able to release the judgments and be kind, choose love. Mm-hmm. And, but until you're ready, it's excruciating.
1: Yes, yes. And I think what's also helpful, which again is also something that, that is unique in A Course in Miracles, I think because of its sophisticated psychology that, that goes along with spirituality, uh, is to have us recognize that, that our judgments are purposive. That, that we choose to be angry and we choose to make judgments and we choose to criticize and we choose to hold on to grievances because that's what keeps us rooted in the dream. You know, if, if kindness is the way that we will awaken from the dream, Judgment is a way that we stay in the dream, and as long as I stay in the dream, I'm an individual, I'm special, I'm unique, and I'm right, and God is wrong. And so that's what's really helpful about the Course, is that it helps us recognize there's a motivation, and there's a purpose behind our judgments. If we don't see that, then we'll never let them go, and the judgments will just keep coming up and coming up and coming up, seemingly out of nowhere, and we're not aware that our minds have chosen to judge because that's what keeps our, our egos alive and well, and that's what keeps us in the dream. It's that, it's that resistance to love, and resist, because love is joining, and love is all-inclusive. It's our resistance to that, and our fear of that, that, that kind of impels us to continually judge and criticize. And so, so the only way out is to, is to recognize that.
3: And one of the sections in the Big Blue Book that really helped me to understand that is the section on trust in the teacher's manual. So the mm-hmm. chapter 4, what are the characteristics of God? And the primary one there is trust and the development of trust. I I always tell people also to read that, like read that every day until you really get it.
1: Mm-hmm. That if
3: you value the judgments, then you won't value the peace.
1: Right. right. But you have to realize that, that, that we value the judgment because we value our personal self. You know, mm-hmm. we, have to, we, you have, we have to see our, our, our motivation and our identification with judgment. You know, uh, I, I often say to people, you know, who would you be without your problems? Who would you be without your victimization and your abuse stories? And everybody has them. Well, it's the same thing. Who would I be without my judgments? Because mm-hmm. that's what defines me. And so it's important to see that that's, again, that these are purposes. Because if we don't realize that, then we'll never let it go. So, and, for and someone
3: is. who's been studying the Course for five, ten years, or even just picked it up, and they are interested in having a true understanding of the oneness, because that's something I get that question all the time. How is it that you understand the oneness? Because people understand it intellectually, but they really aren't feeling it in their heart. Is there a practice? Is there, what would you tell them?
1: Absolutely. There's no way in this world we could understand oneness. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, a section, The Link to Truth, at, at the beginning of Chapter 25, and at the end of that, of that section, it talks about a oneness joined is one. And then it says there's no way we could understand that, because that doesn't mean anything to us because we're so separated. But what we can understand is sameness. And sameness is the reflection of heaven's oneness in the dream. So before I will, I will know that we're all one with God and one within Christ and we've never left and there is no Father and no Son, of course, there's only perfect oneness, before I, I, I awaken to that to that reality, I practice here seeing everyone is the same. You know, the Course says at the beginning of the manual that, that, the, that the primary criterion for, for being a teacher of God is that you don't see your interests as apart from anyone else's. Mm -hmm. which means we're all the same. You know, as I said a moment ago, we're all different on the level of the body, but we all have the same split mind, a wrong-minded ego, a right-minded Holy Spirit, and what we typically call at our foundation the decision-maker, which is the part of the mind that chooses between them. Everyone has that. So we're all the same. You know, that's what the Course means when it says uh, the Holy Spirit's judgment is that all attack is an expression of fear, and fear is a call for the love that has been denied. Everybody has an ego which is based on fear. Everybody has a right-minded correction which is based on love. And we we're all the same. So before you could know a oneness joined as one and disappear into that, we, we practice every day by seeing everyone is the same. People who, who love me, people who, who attack me people I love, people whom I hate, that we're all in the same miserable boat together. And we leave, as the Course says, together or not at all. But it's that perception and vision of sameness Mm -hmm. that excludes no one. That's what does it. Because otherwise you could meditate until the cows come home on oneness and you won't have a clue. And even if you have a kind of revelatory experience, it doesn't make you a kinder person here if you don't apply that to every single person and every single thing in the world. Because of the, I'm sorry, Go on. No,
3: I was going to say, right, because people have ahas, you know, they have a momentary high, like they take a class or they d- just have a meditation or something where it's a momentary high and then they don't feel compelled to keep it in front of them.
1: Right, that's that's the whole point, exactly right. You have, you have to keep it in front of you because the world's in front of us all the time. <laughs> And and so we have all these opportunities to not to attack and not to judge. And again, it's really important to be aware how resistant we are to that. You know, I I talk a great deal about about Freud from time to time because I think he he really gets a bad press these days, and people don't realize that the whole psychology of the course is is totally based on Freud's work. And one of Freud's big, big contributions that that happened right at the beginning of his work was that he, he understood resistance. Because at first he couldn't understand why his patients weren't getting better. Right. They suddenly realized through, through a dream that they, they weren't getting better because they didn't want to get better. And so it's that resistance that goes to the heart of everyone's practice of the course. That You know, the course is so simple. Once you get it, it is so simple. But it's not easy to practice because we're so afraid of it. Not because it's, it's too difficult or complicated, it's that we're too afraid. And so uh, until we recognize our resistance to seeing everyone is the same, and not seeing special interests, and seeing we all have the same interests. Until we see that, then we're not going to let it go. And that, that, I think, is what the process of living this course really is: is coming to grips with the idea. There's a part of me that doesn't like this course. How can I like something that that denies every single uh, premise on which my life is based? Right, everything I exist. Right. i'm separated i'm special i've been uh, especially abused and, and victimized and unfairly treated and there are good guys out there and bad guys out there just like there are good course of miracles students and bad course of miracles students and good course of miracles teachers and bad course of miracles teachers you know i mean it just goes on and on and on and until we realize that that's our wish you know, there's a wish to be unfairly treated and that and that, that's what that, that's what motivates us in this world and that's what prevents people from really living this course It's the fear of what it's saying.
3: So one of the places where people get hung up is the... Understanding the difference between judgment and discernment, because they think I need my judgments. I, you know, I can't navigate this world without my judgments. And they don't really. They, they ask questions about discernment versus judgment. So, what what do you say to that?
1: Well, first, I would say that when, that in one sense, it's certainly true. We can't live in this world without making judgments. We we both have to make a judgment that at this time, you and I would would speak on the phone on this show. I mean, had to be a judgment made. This was important. We're going to do this. Just so you have to make a judgment what you're going to wear today or eat today, you know, etc. But when the Course says not to judge, it means not to condemn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not the obvious judgments that we all have to make. Uh, it's the judgment which means to condemn, which means to see other people as separate from me. And so discernment would really be uh, I grow to discern, learn how to discern between the voice of the ego and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the voice of the ego would always separate, always separate me from others. The voice of the Holy Spirit would always include me and others. I mean, that's the key. So that discernment, so it it doesn't matter whether I wear blue or green today or I eat this food or that food. What matters is, am I attacking someone? You know, I think the fundamental question everybody should ask every single moment is what I am doing, thinking, feeling, or saying going to, to, to root me further in this dream, or is it going to help me awaken from it? If, if, if people could ask that question each and every time they have an unkind thought, that, that, would, that, would, that would save them thousands of years. Is this <laughs> going to further my spiritual journey, or is it going to retard it? I mean, very simple. And, and so that's the judgment. That's the discernment. You know, mm-hmm. not whether I eat A or I eat B, or I, I, mm-hmm. I put on red or I put on green. I mean, that's, that's, that's meaningless. Uh, what is important is—is is this going to further me, or is it going to deter me on my spiritual journey? And, and that we could all learn how to how to do. In fact, the workbook—that's uh, that's what the mind training program is—the one-year mind training program is just to help us begin to see everything through that simple lens: will this, will this root me in a dream, or will it help me awaken from it?
3: For me, one of the tools that I've used in this process is to. I I say partner up with the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit the heavy lifting, and I say, Holy Spirit or higher self, holy self, God, Jesus, Buddha, to me it's all one. So what is the most loving choice for me at this time? If I'm not Mm -hmm. clear, Mm -hmm. I ask that question.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's, that's the same idea, uh, Jennifer. is 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 this loving or is this hateful? Mm-hmm. You know, is this helpful or is it harmful? And if it's helpful to me, it has to be helpful to, to you and everyone else. And if it's harmful to you, it has to be harmful to, to me and everyone else. Because in the end, we're all we're all the same, and our minds are joined.
3: Because the ego mind will get so wrapped up. I, I mean, I've definitely experienced this. So wrapped up in asking how, how do I change my mind? How do I do this? And for me, the answer is really to cultivate that willingness every day. Over and over and over again, and to look at the resistance to partnering up.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Yeah, that's it.
3: <laughs> because I, I mean, I still feel the resistance every day. There's a, a temptation to say, Oh, I I don't really want to think kindly of that person. And then now at this point, I, I go, Well, that's crazy. Of course, you want to think kindly of that person. You, you, you're the same. So, That, can you um, do you have any tips about how to recognize in the body when you're out of alignment?
1: Well, in terms of the body itself, I think people have their own biofeedback. You know, uh, uh, a twinge of pain, a twinge of annoyance, a twinge of anxiety, uh, a a, a rising anger. You know, I think these are all kind of physical uh, signs. Uh, uh, In terms of the psychological body, it's any perception or thought or feeling you have that separates you from other people. You know, the Course says, in fact, it says it twice, it's so important, that a mild twinge of annoyance is a veil drawn over the face of intense fury. And even if I'm, you know, like I'm driving on the, on the freeway, and all of a sudden the, I don't like where a driver's driving, it cuts me off or something, and I have this kind of, even a slight twinge of annoyance. Well, that's enough, as, that's the same as murder in the sense, in, in, in the content of it, seeing someone as different from me mm-hmm. and separate from me. But and so, I mean, it's kind of, kind of recognizing, and, and you get better and better at it as you mm-hmm. practice this more and more diligently. You get better and better at, at just kind of catching. The unkind thought, or the separating thought, and again, often you can you can feel it in your body. You know, a sense of tension comes in, or uh, or you know, your stomach growls or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody has his own way of doing that. But it's but even more importantly, I think is just being able to catch the unkind thought that separates.
3: And to me, that moment when we can notice it. That moment is where we get the biggest bang for the buck when we're willing to unwind it in that moment. And we're going to go into break here in just a moment uh, and so we can talk about that when we come back. But for me, it's that recognition of, oh, right now I'd like to throttle them right now i'd like to throw in the towel right now i'd like to judge or be mean or say something unkind but i am i am going to turn it all over and choose love that's when i get the biggest bang for the buck in terms of my own experience of healing
1: so we'll be right
3: back with ken walkneck talking about living a course of course miracles walking the talk
0: Any time a situation seems confusing or hopeless, most likely I am viewing it from a perspective of human limitation. Instead, I have the innate power to see any circumstance from a spiritual perspective by turning to God in prayer. If I am seeing only problems and not solutions, illness and not wholeness, lack and not abundance, I sit quietly in the silence and reestablish my oneness with God, affirming wisdom, wholeness, and abundance. I begin to see things differently, at one with infinite possibility. I scale the heights of human awareness and view the world as from above, expressing oneness with God in all that I think, say, and do. I allow my spirit to soar.
1: This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word, inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today, online at dailyword.com.
2: Jesus taught us that it is our divine creator's great pleasure to give us the kingdom of limitless good. We are all heirs to incredible abundance, and yet many people right now are stuck and struggling in a place of lack. How do we walk the walk and experience vibrant health, profound love, limitless wealth, and overflowing joy in the midst of a world consciousness of lack and separation? Each week, you will learn powerful and practical tools to experience greater abundance in every area of your life. Hear from experts and visionaries that are living examples of sacred abundance and have your questions about prosperity answered from a spiritual perspective. Join Reverend Robin Ryder live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central Time on Sacred Abundance only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. If you have a question or comment about today's program, or if you'd like to join in the discussion, visit us on Facebook at A Course in Miracles Pledge, where you can join with a community of like-minded people who have pledged to live A Course in Miracles every day, in every way. Now, back to Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk.
3: So I'm here with Ken Wapnick, and we're talking about how to really apply the teachings of A Course in Miracles, to move out of simply studying it and having an intellectual understanding of it into taking it into the heart, really being heart-mind congruent. And um, during the break, Ken and I were talking, and I wanted to share with everyone, for me, one of the most instrumental tools that I've used in terms of walking the talk is when I notice the choice to choose separation, to choose ego, to not choose love, and it feels tempting, I say in my mind, I'm not interested in that anymore. I am not interested in that anymore. I choose love. I am a creature of love and light, and that's all I'm interested in. And then I give the heavy lifting to the higher self, to the Holy Spirit. And uh, Ken, what is it that you
1: use? Uh, I would say something like, uh, I'm just not going there, and I, I quoted to you the, uh, the line from King Lear that I've I always liked, uh, That Way Ban This and that, that if you continue with an unkind thought or feeling or an angry thought or angry word, then that's going to lead you to the madness of the ego, and then, and then you're just caught, and then you feel so angry, anxious, guilty, depressed, etc. And it, and it, you know it doesn't matter what words anyone uses; it's just a question of the idea that I'm just not going there. You know, right. I and, know what I know what happens if I go there, and I'm not going there.
3: Right. And, and being able to recognize in that moment that what I'm truly interested in, what I value, is not in the choice of fear and separation. That way madness lies. I love that. I'm going to remember that and use that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a workbook question that says, I will not value what is valueless. Mm-hmm. And, and you begin to, to realize that anger, annoyance, criticism, judgment, guilt are just not valuable. Are just not valuable. And what what is valuable is, is that 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 vision of seeing, seeing us all is the same.
3: Now, in all these years that you have been studying the course and teaching about it, sharing about it, and you've written how, how many books have you written? Now,
1: I don't know. It's uh, over twenty five. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> might be 30, I don't, know. I don't so read them, so I
3: don't know. <laughs> so in all I, would, I
1: wouldn't I'm sorry, go on.
3: No. Um in all this um studying of the course and sharing about it, uh have there been times in your life when you've had huge breakthroughs or ahas, if you will, and are there sections that for you you feel so deeply connected to?
1: Uh I think that the breakthroughs occurred prior to seeing the course, and I think that's what led me to it. Uh, in terms of sections, uh, when I first uh, went to, to Helen and Bill's office uh, to see, see the course for the first time, uh, Helen showed me uh, her two favorite sections, uh, the very end of the text, uh, Choose Once Again, and then For They Have Come from Chapter 26. And I, I think For They Have Come has always been the most meaningful. Uh, it's the most beautiful, I think, of all the, of all the sections in the course. Uh, and, and it's a, a very beautiful and poetic and very moving uh, depiction of the holy relationship, and 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 how how that moves you behind beyond the ancient hate to the present love, and that that kind of awakens you from the dream.
3: Mm-hmm. So I think that
1: that's always been been my favorite section.
3: So people could even start there when you. When people ask you it's it seems so big, where should I start? What what do you recommend?
1: Uh, I, I I don't I don't really answer them. I say start wherever you want. I mean, you know, one of the things that's so nice about the course is that there are no rules. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, the only rule that's ever given in the course is in the workbook: don't do more than one lesson a day. That's the only rule. And even if you do, you know, you're not going to be struck dead with a thunderbolt. You know, (laughs) I I, I mean, there are no rules. I, you know, in in general, in general, I think people should start beginning the text and they should do the workbook and read the manual. Uh, but as it says at the end of the manual, the curriculum is highly individualized and there's no right or wrong way to start. And I think people should do whatever it is that they want, you know, without feeling that Jesus is up in heaven, you know, keeping a scorecard and, and you know, and that they're going to do it right or do it wrong. You can't do it wrong, mm-hmm. you know, because there's no right or wrong with it. So I think people should start wherever they feel uh, uh, the material resonates the most to them. You know, that, that a, otherwise you get caught. There's a right way to study it and a wrong way to study it, and then before you know it, you have a church. You know.
3: <laughs> now I have a spiritual community in Los Angeles, but we don't actually study the course there. And even though I I've, I ran a study group on the phone, and people would call in and listen from all over the world for four years, um, we always j- jumped around. So I would. Uh, jump around in the book according to what questions people had about applying it to their life. And, uh, to, to me, I just, I love sharing it. I love sharing it so much. I just love sharing my own experience because I'm so extremely grateful that I could begin even to stop Choosing separation and to replace that constant choosing of separation with a constant choosing of love. I'm so grateful that I saw that was a possibility for me. That I share from that enthusiasm.
1: Yeah, that's it. And you know, you know, the thing about the course is that with almost every sentence, that if you really just stayed with that one sense, the whole, the whole theory of the course and the practice of the course would open up. So in that sense it doesn't matter where will you start.
3: And so I wanted to ask you since one of the favorite sections of mine is the trust and section mm-hmm. in the teacher's manual. It's been so uh, helpful to me to to see the development of trust uh, section written out, have you and f- for those of you who aren't familiar with it um, in the manual for teachers chapter 4, it talks about the what are the characteristics of God's teachers and the first one is that development of trust and what it lays out to me is uh, the, the, the experience that most of us go through or we have to go through of letting go uh, the attachments and As the Buddhists would say, letting go of the attachments, letting go of the cravings in order to realize that all the kingdom of heaven is really pre-installed. It's already here. So have you had that experience in your life of, of watching yourself walk through that development of trust?
1: Uh, yes, actually I think what's nice about that, about that section is, is that the development of trust really shows this as a process. It has six stages and mm-hmm. it, there's always a danger in kind of taking them as literal stages and people want to know who's in the third stage or the fourth stage or the sixth stage and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But I think it's very helpful as giving kind of a, 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 an overview of what the, what the spiritual path is like and what the process is. And, and for me, I think all that kind of happened prior to my seeing, seeing the course. It's like a preparation for it,
3: right? Uh, so that happened
1: when you were a monk. Uh, no, I never became a monk. I lived in a monastery, but uh, I never fo- f- formally entered. Okay. Uh, I would have if I had stayed, but then uh, as Helen told so they they kind of rescued me from the monastery. So uh, <laughs> so uh, that changed everything. Right. Um, but the the uh, the stages are really important, I think, because they. They show you what the process is, and it's a process. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, it says that you don't get from the fifth to the sixth stage for a very, very long time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which I think underscores the fact that this is hard work in mm-hmm. the sense that it's, it's, uh, our, our resistance to letting go of our th- thought system and our investment in specialness is so strong Uh, that uh, they just don't snap snap your fingers and say, Holy Spirit of Jesus, help me, and then it happens, because our resistance is so strong. And so it's helpful to to recognize um, that this is a process of letting go. Um, And, 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 you know, four of the six stages are all painful. It says that. (laughs) They're They're all negative in the sense of they're letting go of the ego, and they're described as painful. Uh, so that, you know, this is, uh, uh, I've often said it, I've used to say it a lot in the past, that I think that a very good preparation for people who study the course, and this is not mandatory, of course, but a good preparation is people who have either been through psychotherapy or, or have been part of some kind of spirituality or religion that they practice, because that gives you a healthy respect for the ego. Mm. And you realize that you just don't let this go overnight, because it's, it's too fearful. Uh, but 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 when you're sincere about some kind of spiritual practice, uh, you realize that you know there's a lot of ego investment and there's a lot of judgments that just go away. And of course, the same as psychotherapy. So, and I think those those six stages in development of trust really uh, help kind of highlight that. Because again, for the first three and in the fifth stage, are all described in, as kind of painful, uncomfortable, uh, because, because it all means kind of letting go of the ego. So. Uh, I agree you that these are really important.
3: So, you know, you're reminding me that for me, one of the important realizations I had was realizing that the ego had been actually driving my spiritual studies.
1: Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, in other words, I
3: wanted to be more like enlightened.
1: <laughs> yeah. Holier. Oh, yeah, so uh, that's what, one of the ego's favorite poise is to kind of get us to be spiritual. And then, and then it, that it just ends up serving the ego, but you think you're serving God.
3: Exactly. So how would someone recognize that that was what was happening for them? Uh,
1: I think the, the signs, again, are any form of specialness or exclusivity, where you somehow think you or your group are better than other people, mm-hmm. uh, that you have the truth and other people don't have the truth, uh, wherever there's a kind of a judgment that, that kind of separates you from other people. Uh, Jesus had said to hell at once, don't take another's path as your own, but neither should you judge it. So you should be faithful to whatever your spiritual path is, whether it's the Course in Miracles or anything else. Uh, but don't judge other people because they're doing something different. And don't judge other Course in Miracles people because they don't study it the way you study it or teach it the way you think it should be taught, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and so the telltale sign is what I sometimes call spiritual specialness. Where you think that, that you're better than other people or holier than other people because of what you're doing and practicing, etc. And, and, et and that, that's, a, that's a telltale sign. And it uh, is so you know, tempting. It's very tempting.
3: Oh, it's, it's so untempted. tempting.
1: Uh. <laughs> yes, that's what undoes any spirituality, is that, is that specialness. And you know, it, once you understand that, that oneness means oneness, and the reflection of oneness in the illusion is sameness, then how could you justify any judgment of anyone else? You know, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to pursue someone else's spiritual path or, or, or believe what someone says about A Course in Miracles if you think it says something different, but, but, but who cares? I mean, God doesn't care, Jesus doesn't care. I mean, it's, it, it, if we are really all the same, and that's the, the way of returning to, our, to our, our, our true state of oneness, then all these differences are superficial. But when you but when you feel they're not superficial and you feel it's really important and people have to get the true message then you know you're in trouble
3: yes so we are coming to the close here of our show I want to give you an opportunity I want to ask you please Ken to let people know uh, how they could come and study with you and uh, find you to because you, you you offer wonderful classes can you give us a, a 10 seconds or 15
1: of Clue? Oh, sure. Uh, we have a foundation. My wife and I have a foundation in Temecula, California, which is uh, about 60 miles north of San Diego. And the best way to, to gain access to us is through our website, facim.org, facim.org. It's the foundation for A Course in Miracles. And we have, uh, we have study groups. We have, uh, we have classes. We have workshops. We have publications. But uh, our website has all that information.
3: Great. Thank you, Ken. Thank you so much for being with us today. God bless everybody and walk the talk. Live a course of miracles. Open your heart. Be free.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Join us every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time for more tools and insights into how to express your beliefs from moment to moment, every day, in every way. Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by JenniferHadley.com and live A Course in Miracles every day in every way. celebrated unity minister and author eric butterworth tells us the exciting thing is that wherever you may be along the way of unfoldment and self-realization no matter what the problems or challenges you may face there is always more in you the mystery of god in you the christ in you which means your potential for healing for overcoming for prosperity there is no limit Join us each week for Discovering Eric Butterworth Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time with host Reverend Tom Thorpe right here on Unity FM, The Voice of an Awakening World.
0: What if everything on the big TV screen of life could be interpreted metaphysically? What do current events and popular culture signal back to the collective soul of nations and individuals? Join us every Friday for New World Radio, bringing Unity's teachings to the issues of today. The Reverend Laura Barrett Bennett and her weekly guest Christopher Naughton take you on a holistic worldview journey with special guests, real issues, and your phone calls and comments. New World Radio with Reverend Laura Barrett Bennett. Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, If you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened.
3: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.